Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. In the matter of expressing emotions, I can either drink or I can weep. And drinking is so much more subtle. The great has spoken! Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! Who are you? Who are you? A very bad man. I'm a very good man. Good man. They think he's lost, and with no more brains than you have. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, I know the election is over, but how do you feel about making this a full-time politics podcast? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> that was your quickest even, response I, ever. I even had, like, even when the word... So, for those who don't know, I, I almost never know the question that Tamler's going to ask. He's always surprising. Um, Except for a couple times when we rehearsed it. Um, You're David I, Pizarro from <laughs> Cornell University. <laughs> I'm David Pizarro from Cornell University. The minute you said the word election, I got that little pit in my stomach, <laughs> that little like, nerves, a little tightening in my shoulders. Um, can you imagine? There, there's, that would be a special hell for me where I, where I had to be a political pundit. <laughs> and, I, and I have to say, like everybody's been as polite and respectful about talking about politics, but even given that to us. Even given that, it still just stresses me out so much. Like, so on today's know. episode, we are going to respond to every single tweet <laughs> and every email that we've gotten no, about the election. No, for the first time, I was talking, I was talking to Paul Bloom about this. For the first time, I, I got a little glimpse of what it's like to be Tamler um, <laughs> and just be told that I'm wrong and dumb and that Tamler is the smart one. <laughs> I know. And I got to feel for the first time what it must be like to be you. At least there were always some caveats like usually I agree with David right. and then it's just like <laughs> yeah. But we've been getting more of those lately. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Lately I've become I've started to agree with you more over Dave. I think it's just my powers of persuasion and you're just, uh, just more likable. If it makes you feel any better, you're still kind of a cult hero among my friends from back home from high school and college. <laughs> I think probably it, because anybody who knows you would consider me a hero for putting up with this many episodes. I, you know, I, did, I didn't think of that, but that that might very well be the case. They made me a cape. <laughs> they sent it to me. <laughs> Jen doesn't know how you do it. <laughs> I, I take it that she still largely ignores everything that we do. Uh, yes, if except that you would, if you take out the word "largely," that's true. <laughs> I think that's for the better. It would be weird to have like to live with somebody who intimately cared about the content of our podcast. <laughs> you know, and, and especially now that we're like featured in Houstonia magazine. You know, what a great article! Thing. Yeah, that what was a, great... a good article. I talked to that guy a couple times. The author yeah. of it. Um, yeah, me too. He's an interesting dude. He wrote a uh, kind of personal piece about disgust, and the the thing that launched his whole 
his whole investigation was that someone complained about an ad, a real estate ad, in the magazine, Houstonia Magazine. And it's one of those big, glossy magazines that just has, like, is like 30% ads. And the person complained because there was a kind of a biracial couple in mm-hmm. it that I didn't I w- didn't even notice when I, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess she is black or, you know, biracial. <laughs> Uh, he, I think he was black. He um, was black. One of them was black. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm colorblind. You're I don't, so colorblind. I don't see colors like you do. But mm-hmm. hey, quiet, Omar. Yeah, and so he canceled their subscription, and that became a big story. And he was this big hero for standing up to the to the racists. Um, but then he started to feel a little guilty about that, and that's anyway that launched. Yeah, he into himself disgust. was disgusted at that response, and he's like, "How can we tell like which 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 of our disgust reactions is the right one?" Yeah, yeah, no, well done. It's it's uh, called Gross Anatomy, and Scott Vogel is the author. I, I spoke to him on yes. the phone as well. Yeah, so we'll put a link to that in show notes. And they and they shout out very bad wizards um, and some of our discussion on disgust. They quote <laughs> me swearing, and they uh, and they eat the poo poo gets a little love. And they eat the poo poo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> about time. Should we say what we're going to talk about? Yes, today? yes. So today is a very important episode. It is the listener selected topic. This is where all of our Patreon, our beloved Patreon supporters, um, got to suggest topics. We narrowed those topics down to five finalists, and then we had our $5 and up listeners vote on which of the finalists they liked the best, and we have a winner. Should we, we do. Do, do you and have I, it up? And, uh, I do. The winner was... In the vein of the Republic and Rationalia, I wanted to hear Pease and Tamler draft a constitution for, quote-unquote, Oz, a, a sovereign state that maximizes whatever they cherish most, honor and porn, presumably, which is like, all right, thanks for you know taking our answers. Yeah. Um, and I, I do want to say there are other uh, questions that were, that were in our top five that I think are, are good ideas that that I would like to do. And even some that we didn't put in the finalist just because they wouldn't have been good for now. There's actually a few on population ethics that right. a few people asked us. We get that quite a bit, actually. Do an episode on population ethics. I, I don't know like about you, but I, do you have anything to say about population ethics? Because I don't really. I, I, I don't, not because I don't think it's interesting, but because it's one of those things where like if there were a, a compelling paper, like when we talked about, uh, about you know, the, the antinatalism, um, the, I, I just feel like I don't, I don't know enough, honestly. I don't know whether I want to know enough. Like I thought the antinatalism was, was an interesting discussion and it's sort of along those lines. If you want to suggest something like that, toss along a paper. Um, and that way we can get a better sense of, of whether or not something we could discuss. I'm not opposed to talking about, you know, whether we should care about the environment and, and how. Lightly opposed. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> also, apparently climate, climate science is a hoax. So, mm. By the way, Brian Farrow suggested the, the winning topic. Brian Farrow. I think Thanks, a longtime listener. I think he sent us. Isn't he the one who sent us a mashup for the 75th episode? I don't remember. Possible. Um, before we get to that, it is in the United States, the day before Thanksgiving. And what kind of monsters would we be if we weren't to acknowledge this? That it's the day before Thanksgiving? <laughs> that it's the day before Thanksgiving and, and, and talk, about, uh, talk about things we're thankful yeah. for. Um, let's, for a moment, set aside the, 
the fact that Thanksgiving is probably a really fucked up tradition. What are you talking about? It but was what when it is now? Pilgrims and Native Americans sat down and shared a table and, and just shared, shared and smoked peace pipes. Whether it's true or not, it seems like a good thing. Honored the buffalo. Do you have fa- families that have wildly different political opinions than you do? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I mean, I think it's it's kind of dumb to have a discussion about how to talk to your conservative. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you if kind of if you have if you're only now at the point where you're thinking about that, then I didn't know what to do until in 2015. I read that Vox article that really just. <laughs> Uh, laid it out perfectly well, for you, and then it was very harmony. Buzzfeed gave me eleven <laughs> tips, and you'll never believe number eight. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I have, I have super conservative religious uh, relatives, and so it's always. Uh, but I feel, I actually feel as this, this has just been a good thing for me. I, I be, sort of became liberalized in college, and I've been arguing That's this ever sure. since. It, it, and Ask the, our the listeners. Real art is, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> the real art is. To pick your battles. Yeah. Like there's stuff they say that I'm like, well, what does it matter what I say? Like, am I really, am I really actually going to convince them at all? And you kind of have to pick who you're talking to, right? Like what, what sort of thing they might be persuaded by. So sometimes I just say, you know, when my family is mounting some super duper, you know, like uh, Obama care is communism. I just asked them if they think that Jesus would let somebody die on the street because they didn't have life insurance. <laughs> this gets them to have a moral dilemma. <laughs> that shuts them the fuck up for like <laughs> 10 minutes until like the dessert course. And then they're like, no, nah, I think Jesus would let him die. I don't think Jesus would tax people if that's what you're saying. <laughs> um, yeah, there's something that suggests that uh, in the New Testament, because we read it sometimes in human situation, but there's something that suggests that R- Tom Brady was framed in Flategate. <laughs> I think it's in it's, it's in a, Mark, maybe think, is it in Mark or is I, it Matthew? I think that's in Matthew. that's the prophet John and his revelations, uh, the, the, the beast with seven backs. <laughs> um, so we're going to, in a time of division and bitterness, we are going to push against that in our contrarian fashion, and talk about a few things that we're grateful for. There's all kinds of shit that like is just so obvious right. that not saying it might seem like we're ignoring the best things. Right. But like, let's just set aside those. Like that our daughters, you know, our families and our daughters Ooh. being healthy. and I'm not yet of the age where I have to get up and pee every two hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, it's every man. three hours. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah so my analogy was like that you, this is like on if anybody here remembers wheel of fortune um they used to let you pick five letters um in the final clue and everybody picked r s t l n e because those are just fre- the most frequent letters I guess, sometimes somebody would mix it up but they would be an idiot for doing this <laughs> they'd be dumb like hey. i'm gonna go with q yeah i just got a feeling go i have q. a feeling about this word and so, so those are our RSTLNEs, like all the shit that you'd normally be thankful yeah. because that's boring to, to listen to. Not that our my list is not boring. It's it's at least idiosyncratically boring. Yeah. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. I was trying to think of the feeling of gratitude that I had strongest most recently, and I'll, I'll tell you a little story. It's um, very quick. 
for my final ex- <clears throat> sorry for my prelim exam. So there's there's two exams throughout the semester. There's a final exam. Um, I teach a very big interest psych course, and on exam days, it's always just a production, right? It's like it's almost 800 students. We have to distribute exams. It's very with that many students, there's always students emailing you at the last minute, giving you excuses, and every single time, there's at least one or two people who just show up in the middle, and they're flustered. And you realize that they just they just either forgot or slept in. <clears throat> and this kid um, ran in and he was like, I'm so sorry. Can I still take the exam? There's like 20 minutes left. And I said, what happened? And he looks at me and he goes, you know, I just slept in. There's no excuse. I should have woken up and I didn't. So I don't know what to do. <laughs> and... That statement right there gave me such a feeling of gratitude because I had gotten so many just whack, stupid, entitled excuses up until then that the breath of fresh air of having a student who just owned it and was honest, uh, like he he just – he opened my heart in that moment (laughs) to all of the frustration that I've been having about students. And so to generalize, there is some – there are all kinds of things about students that I'm thankful for. But every once in a while, it's the student who doesn't feel like they deserve anything, who's just straightforward and honest, who if they caught cheating says, get caught cheating, they would say, I fucked up. I totally was cheating. And they don't try to tell you that their third grandma died this this week or yeah. whatever. Um, it just was very salient at that moment that that kid was a good kid and that he wasn't going to try to feed me bullshit. Wow. So the thing that you're most grateful for is that a kid overslept in his exam. Yeah, you would think not. (laughs) I was surprised myself that I was having this moment of like, thank you. Thank you. for. I really want to say thank you for saying that. And and I don't know. It's just more generally a sincerity that is easy to get. I think when you have that many students under you, they think that giving you lots and lots of reasons. Right. And excuses is going to make it better. And it just makes it worse. Yeah. It, <laughs> it just, just makes, makes it, it like take more time to deal with. Right. Um, right. I, I think we get fewer of the real excuse makers. We get some, but we get fewer yeah. um, and we get more kids who don't try to make excuses just because they are not. A, they, they don't expect they don't come from backgrounds where they expect uh, professors and teachers and really anybody to like bend over backwards to help, yep. them, you know, in, in a bad way. Almost sometimes like they don't ask for help a lot of times when they need it, even legitimate things that they could do. They don't do because they just don't think they should bother you or something like that, which is not at all true. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think more generally what 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 I'm what I'm thankful for is is a, there's a certain kind of student um, who like comes to my office hours every once in a while and says, you know what, I don't have that much to talk about when it comes to the class. I just actually wanted to sit and just chat with you about a movie or ideas. And I, those always are the most fun for me because they're showing sort of that the, like I'm not merely there to provide as, as a delivery service for the best grade, right. the optimal grade. Yeah. Right? They're not using you as a mere means to an A. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I tend to really like my students, and the best of my students are, like, the best people, like, way better than yeah. I am. I think I've probably said that before. But, but I'm grateful also. This is the great good thing. One good thing about being a professor is just being around students and just the energy and the 
again, this isn't true for all of them. And I don't know, lately maybe some of them seem more anxious and stressed out than alive with the vitality yeah. of, of youth. But I still, like, it's just really, like, as an older person, you can feed off that kind of idealism at that age and the excitement about yeah. things. And um, it's really nice. It's all, it's all, you know, same thing with having a child, you know. It's like... Yeah, yeah. No, there's not. There's nothing like the satisfaction of having a observed like a, a student get excited about something you said in class. Yeah. Even when it's like you've heard it a million times, like you, they're hearing it for the first time, and that actually ke- does keep you young, keep you going, and it's it's contagious to have that 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 kind of excitement. This is all. This is just a very quick thing, but I was in the store today and. I was getting a you know some wine for Thanksgiving, and this is a very common thing. I said like excuse me to somebody because they were, and they'd say, "Oh, you're you're fine, honey buns." This <laughs> black <laughs> black woman, and they you know calls yeah. me honey buns, just like strangers. That, that's the, one of the things I love about the South is I'm called baby honey buns um, constantly yeah. throughout the day. It just puts you in a better mood, you know. Yeah, it, like we're like the opposite of women. Yeah. Um, like when people go out, <laughs> I totally know what you mean. I, I totally know what you mean. It, there is something about like, you know, so, so much of, of what people talk about when they're grateful. They talk about these abstract things like their health or whatever. But really, like if I have to accrue the things that I'm thankful for in the like every day, little things like that yeah. mean a whole lot. Totally. Like Because right? we do. We crave human connection yeah. and we live in a in a way that doesn't often offer tons of opportunities. So like when you get people who just know how to do it better than you do, you know, <laughs> just to be like nice and friendly and it's, it's, it, it, it makes you a lot more cheerful. Uh, I just had one last one. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... Class of drugs in general that have a particular structure to the molecule that seems to do things like allow us to get work done. Yes. Um, Tenure pills. Now what are <laughs> they? Full, full professor pills? <laughs> full professor pills. Uh, Getting my fucking uh, book done pills, maybe. Oh, yeah. I'm grateful to not have to talk about that. Do you want to pre-commit publicly? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've committed to getting a draft in by the middle of January, which I think I can do, or I waffle between, yeah, I can do that, too. That's completely impossible. Like, I don't know how. I think you you think that there are more months between now and then <laughs> than there are. All right, here's my last one. Remember earlier I said that I, I talked to students, and there, I don't know, there does seem like there's more anxiety uh, yeah. in students in the students i mean just as a matter of fact it seems like more students are on anxiety medication or antidepressants and they all just seem very worried and you know we we have a lot of our our master's students are going into phd programs and they're already going into it some of them not all of them and i do with the kind of sense of dread about the prospects a sense of just kind of insecurity and you know given the market and given the state of the economy and given student loans it's all understandable but it makes me grateful i was thinking about this that i ha- i've always had when from when i was a student throughout the career just a kind of irrational optimism and a kind of a self-confidence where i don't have anything to prove to anybody 
I don't feel insecure about my intelligence. And I just kind of think things are going to work out. And I think that's been very helpful for, for me, even in, in my career, I think it's been helpful, but especially helpful for like my psychological well-being. And I guess right. what I wanted to trace this to, because I don't really talk about my mom that much. My mom, I, my dad, I've, I've talked about quite a bit because he, uh, he passed away over a couple of years ago. But my mom died when I was 17. And I think it's that, that kind of irrational optimism and that self-confidence without a trace of bitterness, you know, not like right. she was an Israeli who then came to live in America with my dad when she was in her early 20s. And she just kind of just felt like she could do everything uh, she could conquer. She, she was a professor of psychology at UMass Boston. And she just, without too much reason to think that this was something that she could master, she just thought she could. And she... And she did, you know, she got tenure at UMass Boston bef- um, before she turned 40 and then tragically just, um, died of cancer right when she was 41. But I don't know, like a lot of lately I've been thinking about her a lot and thinking about some of the things that I have and some of the things sometimes I see in Eliza that I trace to her um, and things that I'm just truly, truly grateful for. And it, 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 the one thing I'm not grateful for is that I don't have a chance to say this to her, but because um, I was a right. selfish fucking piece of shit teenager when she was going through her worst period. But yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough yeah. time. Ah, that's, that's really nice to hear. Actually, you don't yeah. talk about her that much. Yeah. Um, but but I'll say this, like there is something that in, in what you say that resonates. My mom is still alive and I'm grateful for her. But there is, you know, I felt sort of also optimistic, some blend of like uh, of not caring that much if I failed um, with with optimism that I wouldn't. Um, but it is goddamn if it's not voodoo to try to impart that confidence to somebody else. I, yeah. One of the biggest things I think about is. You know, I I just want my daughter to know she's going to be all right. right. I want her to have that confidence. To, and without that confidence, you wouldn't try new things. Um, and and yeah, it's very easy to become an anxious mess in this kind of world. Yeah. And and so to anybody, that, you know, there's a ton of people who who I credit with making me feel like things were going to be all right. Um, but it's you know, I you think can just say it. I I've I'm one of those people. Well, no, I was going to say, when you said you're not insecure about your intelligence, I said, you know, some of us pick up the slack for you. Right. I'm, I'm very insecure about your intelligence. <laughs> no, I, that's for sure. Like, a lot of people are insecure about my intelligence, but I'm just not in that class of people. Uh, that's a much better one to end on than Adderall. Uh, well, I don't know, actually. <laughs> They're both great, you know. <laughs> Two sources of confidence. A wonderful mother that... Gave you <laughs> tragically and away. <laughs> It's it's kind of like when my Adderall runs out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you don't have a mother like that, then Adderall is just, it's almost as good. All right, All right. Uh, I need to get myself together. So let's uh, take a break, and we'll be right back to um, give our constitution for our new for nations, utopia. our utopias.
Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. As usual, we'd like to take a moment to thank all the people who have supported us and who have gotten in touch with us um, through our Facebook page or Twitter at Tamler at Peas at Very Bad Wizards or our Gmail account at Very Bad Wizards at gmail.com. We really appreciate it's It's at a point where we get at least seven or eight long, really nice emails oh, and, and, and emails that we really have to think about or are just grateful to receive every week or more. I mean, um, yeah. people are, con- and you know, so many interactions on Twitter, on the Facebook page, and we just love it. And we're, and we're just so thankful that the day before Thanksgiving, all we're doing is being <laughs> thankful. But man, it, it, we really are grateful. I do love it. Like every once in a while... I'll be with a colleague and I'll show them some email that I yeah. just got. You know, like, see this? You fuck. They probably think that we're saving it for like the, like, oh my God, this one just came in. You guys yeah. are awesome. Right. <laughs> but no. No, right. Exactly. So we love that. Also, want to really thank our supporters, people who have supported us um, in all the different ways that you can. One of them is by going to the support page and clicking on the Amazon link. And this is a good time to do it, right? Right before the yeah. holidays. So so try to remember as a holiday gift to us, as a Seventh-day Advocate gift to Pizarro and a Hanukkah gift for me, just click on that Amazon link before you go to Amazon and we'll get it. You know, we celebrate Christmas. What? Um, We we do celebrate Christmas. But but probably in some weird way, like some (laughs) cultish way. And then... Uh, the other way you can you can't PayPal is that no longer a thing for us? You, you can. I don't know if the button is dead. I'll, I'll double check. But there... somebody told us the button was dead. So. Yeah. So we're gonna try to get PayPal back up and working. But perhaps Patreon our takes PayPal. Favorite uh, way to support us that we have is is through Patreon, and you can support us at all sorts of different levels. Well, just three different levels, and or any level of support, and you'll get. Uh, a monthly newsletter with our picks and suggestions for books, articles, movies, TV shows. The $2 level, you'll get an access to Dave's volumes of Beats and maybe a, another one coming soon. And then at the the third level, you will get to vote and select an episode, which is exactly what's happening for today's episode and we really appreciate all the topics we're going to get to a lot of those topics we're going to do a lot of those topics i think there's it's all good for us not only is this a way that people express their support but it actually gives us topic ideas which allows us to keep doing this every couple weeks so you want to introduce we read the question for the 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 winning question so here it is. Let's read it again really quickly. This is from Brian Farrow. In the vein of the Republic and rationalia, I want to hear Pease and Tamler draft a constitution for Oz, a sovereign state, because it's wizards. It took me a while to get yes. that. I was like, <laughs> yeah, the like HBO the show? show? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, sovereign state that ma- a sovereign state that maximizes whatever they cherish mo- most, honor and porn, presumably. We each came up because I think we would have different constitutions. Right, um, right. It would be weird for us to co- collude. That the founding fathers did that, and and, yeah. and now Trump's president. So see, see yeah. where that got us. You need like you definitely need just a philosopher king, and I guess a <laughs> psychologist king. Although you don't hear uh, that much about psychologist kings. 
What do what no, would they do? Psychologists are really would, would be the you know I was talking again in my conversation with Paul Bloom. We we're talking about we had a, a large conversation about what, the application of psychological studies for real world stuff, and um, we, he the la- and lack thereof. Most people believe, which is that if you want to know how to raise your kid, the last person you should ask is a developmental psychologist. <laughs> I, people are we're just interested in really narrow questions. Like, it doesn't mean it translates into actual advice. Like, there's no actual expertise about like the whole human being. So you guys need your Valerie. Tiberius. We need, we need a philosopher. Susan too. Wolf and maybe an experimental philosopher. Maybe Josh Nob could be our. The, <laughs> our he, Josh Nob will tell you how to raise your kid. You guys would be like number crunching king. King. We would pee hack whatever we wanted. We number wanted massaging kings. Exactly. Yeah. But so this was a hard thing for me too because on, on the one hand, like it's it's a creative topic suggestion. On the other hand, we spent <laughs> like one and a half episodes saying that Neil deGrasse's idea of rationalia was just ill-conceived and silly. So I had to approach this a bit with a grain of salt. And so I take this personally, I think, as just an expression of some values, like what what, what I could change. Core values. Right? Core, some well, core values. yeah, no, it's not that exactly. It's more just some things that you could change if you were given absolute power right now. Right. And so what I avoided, just for the record, were things that were so abstract and obviously good, like world peace. Like, that would just be dumb if right. I said world peace, right? Um, or like an end to racism. Like, it's at a more concrete level than that. So My things so. you can also do. Like, all of these things are possible to do. Um, yeah. They are policies that could be enacted. Okay, what, do you want to... So we don't, have a, we don't have a name for our... Well, I uh, have a name for, our, for mine. It's not do, Oz. Okay. Um, so I was trying to decide between two, sentimentalia or honoraria. And then I, I thought, you know, given that it's always nice, especially as public universities and universities sort of face funding problems, it's always yeah. nice to get honoraria these days. So I'm going to go with honoraria. I don't have I don't have a good name for mine, so I'm just going to go with Puerto Rico. <laughs> Puerto Rico. Isn't yeah. that where uh, Lori Santos's Island of Capuchins is? Uh, that seems maybe. like paradise to me. Yeah. That you would be on an island with a bunch of capuchins just seems like That's what great. more do you want out of life than that? They get your get poo flung at you from. It's like it's like a game of laser tag with capuchins and poop, but then they <laughs> jerk you off afterwards. <laughs> All right, in honoraria. So I also tried to, the way he did it. You know, in rationalia. In honoraria, you think he'll record a podcast saying how dumb we are. <laughs> In honoraria, all non-addictive drugs would be immediately legalized. All people in jail or prison... God damn it! You have this? Uh, Wait, wait, let me finish. All All people in jail or prison for possession of a non-addictive substance would be released and treated to a free outdoor screening of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. (laughs) So, I went farther, though, because we might as well talk about it, even though it's yours. That means I have none. Uh, Why non-addictive? I'm all for heroin and cocaine to be legalized too i'll tell you why and it's because i was probably spent about 10 months in my life on vicodin and then like another few <laughs> oh, weeks oh and sh- you need the law yeah st- no i didn't need the law i mean i needed the law to make it hard for me to get it you know like a pain <laughs> in the ass for me to get it right and 
I just think I'm in general, yeah. like it's like, addictive things is something that it's more reasonable to prohibit. A place to draw. The I, I, I so I'm not saying that addictive drugs should still be banned, but I'm just very confident that non-addictive drugs should be legal. And so, in that class, in that class of things, you would put marijuana, like hallucinogens. Yes, those like ex- ecstasy. That kind yeah, of thing. ecstasy. I guess because it's not really addictive. Yeah. Caffeine, sorry, banned in our area. Well, no, that again, it's no. <laughs> not saying anything about that's a uh, that's a fallacy. You're right. So you um, just like heroin. I could finally try heroin yeah. under, in your in your land. I actually think that it's that that uh, of course you would want to make it difficult to get the decriminalization and regulation of it. I think would end up doing more good than harm. I think that being a heroin addict would suck and it might actually increase the number of heroin addicts that are around but they would get medical care and you would just make it difficult to to get heroin compared to say getting weed um, right not like but, colorado have you been to colorado with the new um, weed not recently oh man it's no. so great yeah. I, I don't care for weed so it doesn't excite me yeah. but um so uh so yeah and i i i just think that um that the downside, the criminal element that's introduced when you do get addicted to heroin and then you get put in jail and then you meet all kinds of other, like, I, I don't think that addicts, I think addicts should be treated um, and maybe we should have education and maybe make it very hard to get heroin and maybe you have to have doctor supervision along the lines of something that I, I didn't put on here. But but that's why I think sex work should be regulated and legalized, too. It's the criminal element that that I think causes a lot of harm to so many people. But you're absolutely right. Empty so out you're the just prisons. A lib- hardcore uh, libertarian. I well, maybe maybe all of the the Trump fans who emailed me will. <laughs> well, now now I'll be a whole bunch of different people who email me. Yeah, no, I have very strong libertarian leanings. I just think so many libertarians are assholes <laughs> that right. I don't want. <laughs> you want libertarianism without the libertarians? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Without the Andrandians. Um, is that your first, or should I go? Uh, I'll go, but I'll okay. just I'll just have one less on the one fewer. Um, I I think um, if I were in charge, I would introduce into the curriculum critical thing a critical thinking course and a statistics course um, that would be required for children to learn way earlier than we do now. Like, you know how there's been a push to learn language um, earlier and earlier because, but, you know, if, if you only start in high school, you're kind of wasting all of the years in which you can really let it soak in. Yeah. I don't know why we're not trying to teach something like critical thinking and some rough understanding of statistics and probability. I think it's very, very much required um, to navigate the modern world. I mean, just look at all the fake news bullshit. The ability to wade through the volume of information with the the right kinds of tools. Now, I don't know if it would work. I don't know how early you can teach these things, but it's a, that's an empirical question that I would yeah. want to figure out. Right now, out. they're not. Yeah. I love the statistics and probability idea. I would just add that you have to use real-life examples, like you know, mm-hmm. when you have all these things that say, like, eight people die per week from this virus or something like that. And that's just a meaningless statistic. Right. Unless you have some idea like what to do about that. It sounds like, holy shit, every, people are dying What right and left. People yeah. are like dropping like it's a, like some sort of apocalyptic movie. Yeah, just take these paradigm ways in which people deliver 
information in statistical form and show what they really meant. I think that would be hugely beneficial. And they're learning like my, you know, my daughter's in seventh grade and they're, they're learning algebra. And, and I think that at that point, if you're going to be teaching algebra, teaching something like, Hey, you need to know the denominator of us like that. If somebody says eight people died out of how many, right. Um, really, really matters. But there's a really basic thing that I don't know why kids to me coming out of junior high should have it ingrained in them that correlation isn't causation. Yeah. It really like, it's very easy to fall into the trap of believing you know, you hear all kinds of stuff. people who eat more broccoli don't die of cancer. And you're like, oh, sweet. That means that broccoli prevents against cancer. And and that should be a mistake that is just knocked out of a kid by the time they're out of junior high. Uh, also, I mean, it's a it's a scandal that like Eliza's in seventh grade right now and she has never heard of the Frege Geach problem. I mean, well, that's just because you're in a bad school system or something. I, I don't yeah. know what to say. <laughs> Yeah. It's the South. We're all illiterate down here. I, every time I drive by a barn, my daughter's worried that it's a facade <laughs> yeah. uh, or that there's a twin secretary hiding under a desk or something. <laughs> um, Are there twin yeah. secretaries hiding under your desk? I don't know. That's like a Gettier problem that I heard once. That there are twin right. secretaries you were under right your to desk? Say that. I think that's just a porno that you saw. That's right. That's right. It's called <laughs> fake agent. I'm confusing it. <laughs> All right. So this is one I got from Sebastian Junger or Younger. I don't know. I I heard him on a podcast talk about this. I don't know Uh, who he is. um, He wrote The Perfect Storm and then recently wrote a book called um, Tribe. Um, I think it's called Tribe. And he was – and much of it is about veterans and why uh, people who – come back from serving in the military are experiencing trauma at greater rates today and why people who are sometimes in the military feel a greater sense of well-being and he he ties it to the sense of community and the sense of solidarity that you experience when you're living in close contact with people and when people depend on you and when people trust you and you trust them and then he says, and it's a big shock when you come home that you come back to just isolated, you know, atomistic America. Right. And meanwhile, you have all these emotions and all these uh, experiences and you have no one really to share them with, no one who understands them. And, and he, he says, it's, so it's not people think it's like shell shock or it's, it's but actually PTSD is not experienced at a significantly higher rate for combat for for military personnel who have experienced combat and military personnel who haven't experienced combat. So again, he traces it to the sudden shift in that kind of commu- feeling of uh, of community to the feeling of greater isolation and alienation. So what he said was. Um, that this is something that we just owe veterans. So every community, maybe once a month or on certain occasions, would have these meetings where veterans who have come home from combat could speak about their experiences and express any feelings they have, frustrations, uh, needs, answer questions. And this would just, A, give them an outlet, people to connect with, which they sometimes don't have, and then B... It would be a way for 
people in the community to really understand what it means when we go to war, like what the actual cost of that is, what what is actually going on and not view war, you know, in Syria or in Iraq or wherever as this sort of abstract idea with abstract goals. I I thought that was a great idea. You're hitting on something that like I I was considering on my list too, which is, I, I think that's a huge problem, you know, and, and Vietnam veterans who came back, they were so, they were so unwelcome. They were unwilling to talk about the atrocities. Um, and I was just thinking about this this morning because I was watching a great documentary series called Soundbreaking. It's about the history of recorded music um, on PBS. It's an amazing series, but they were uh, talking um, about Marvin Gaye and Marvin Gaye when um, he released his album what's going on um which was really really sort of different than all of the motown stuff that he was doing but he was talking about his really the experience that changed what he thought he should be singing and talking about was his brother who had come home from vietnam and sitting and listening to his stories yeah and listening to those stories you know like it's not the burden isn't on the soldiers to like come and tell us all what's going on the burden is on the decision makers who are, you know, voting for war and including us yeah. um, to go out of our way to, to learn what it's like. You know, it, you could be more draconian and say, if you vote for war, you have to go to war. But at, at the very least, this should be something that is that there is social pressure and people are really encouraged to attend within various communities and it would also just be a way of connecting people to each other you know that's one good nice thing about voting is just the actual process of voting just sort of connects you with people that you wouldn't otherwise and jury duty which i just did too same thing it just i don't know i'm hungry for opportunities to meet and talk to people who i don't normally have an opportunity to to do that with right right yeah that's a good point I should try. You should try um, either of those things. <laughs> like you're like your students, your bad students when it comes to jury duty. I don't. I, I never get called for jury duty. Really? I, I don't. I think that I've moved around too many times and nobody knows exactly where I live. Um, I, I've just gotten two in the last like two and a half years. All right. I, I have um, <clears throat> my idea, which which you know I don't know how feasible it is, but but um, you know I'm going from libertarian to communist with this, and. It's just a very concrete idea. Subsidize the salaries of public school teachers by professional sports. So every, I think everybody knows that there's a big problem with how, how much we value um, teaching, especially in public schools, at secondary level, uh, elementary. Um, they're underpaid. They burn out. Um, we don't recruit the most talented people. It's basically, you know... Not a very good. And when they're trained, they're trained in like theory, like Thomas Dewey education theory, and not on how to like run a class. Exactly. And so they have to fall back into like teaching for the test, like just training kids to do good on standardized exams, or else they get you know the the principal gets yells at them, and the superintendent Chalmers comes and says Skinner. So let's just tie it to something that's celebrated. I, you know, I like. I don't think that that it has to be draconian or anything like that. But if if Philly wins a Super Bowl, 
Philly school teachers should should get get something, you know, some the, <laughs> like, like this. This is at, at the very least it could tap into the competitiveness, right? Um, it could tap into the celebration, and and it could just remind people. Obviously, maybe perfect redistribution would help, but uh, this is like something that I think would would be more likely to get people excited about it, right? Yeah, um, your team's record will. Or the the amount of money they bring in, or the amount whatever the, the amount of wins they have, will have a direct impact on people in your city that matter. Yeah, the problem is it already sucks being a, like a Browns fan, or <laughs> you right. know, like a Jacksonville so way, Jaguars fan. So now way, it would yeah. it would be exponentially worse. Maybe you can have a lottery system at the end, you know, right. where the, the the most losing team actually gets some percentage of the winning teams. Um, uh, there, there are ways for it. it. It reminds me, Yoel Imbar was actually just here at Cornell giving a talk, and he was talking about the framing of policy. When you have zero-sum policies, like some money has to get taken away from this group in order to give to this group, or um, that uh, if people – if you just frame it as giving new money to people – Right. Um, versus taking away money from other people, th- that's enough to to convince people. People really don't like to hear yeah. um, that money is getting taken away. So, so there's some framing, but but I, you know, you can this, manipulate this, this way. You would get actually people who are really into sports to cheer on teachers, right? And I think bringing some of that energy might be helpful. Okay, I like that. I have something related to education too that I think right. is even more central to the mission in honoraria. All university grievance committees would be abolished. <laughs> Academic disputes would be settled via rap battle, like with that grind time now rules. As what what is a typical grievance committee talk about? So, I as I have served on a grievance committee before, and it's usually professors bitching about their salary. So now they can they can rhyme about their salary. Now they can r- rhyme about why they should have gotten a higher research score, or or they can they can just accept that they're not going to get the extra seventy five dollars that would have come <laughs> with like you know a, a point five higher rating. What you if know? they bite? What if they bite their rhymes from someone else and this is discovered? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Right. Um, if it's not cited, you know, all the plagiarism rules apply. <laughs> if, you, if you like start spitting like Solcon's shit or like you know, you early sometimes... Jay Z or Nas or <laughs> you're just switching the lyrics a little bit. Probably be o- obvious. I would imagine. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll happily supply some beats. Right. Um, so I have to go to these faculty senate meetings and. They're not grievance committees, but but it really does feel like the the level of pettiness of things that people bring up where you're like, oh, my God, nobody cares, man, like how, how expensive photocopying is in your department. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is not the proper forum. All of that is now just rap battle. Like that's how that just, stuff gets settled. Rap that that, re- right. that that gets resolved. Yeah, and sort of crowd, cr- like crowd determining winner. Like who has to battle? Yeah, back? crowd determining the winner. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like think about how fun that would be. Like everybody's in there, and then you know the guy from anthropology gets up and and starts battling his his there chair, way, her chair. Yeah, there is a way in which I. Lament the fact that we there we don't have official ways of getting off like get, getting anger off our chests. So yeah. 
when you look at a rap battle, like when they go well, I mean, they can go poorly and, and end in a fight. But there is a high, high tolerance for exchanging harsh words where yeah. it's just expected that this is just not going this is not going to lead to actual conflict. And, and most of the time they're like they hug at the end and there's yeah, a lot of respect yeah. and uh, yeah, you demonstrated your skill yeah um and you know so we like have for, chan- like channeling english politics english what? politics yeah. where they can yell at each other it seems so nice yeah they just can't they can only do it in politics they can't do it in any other aspect of their life they're not able to express their right. themselves so that, you know what that means though is like Black guys would just be like getting everything, right? And it would definitely <laughs> increase diversity, in, which is another goal. Like, <laughs> all right, so <laughs> mine. This one's really simple. For at least a year, yep. If you eat meat, you have to kill what you ate. Oh, I like that. Which I, I again, am not completely opposed to meat eating, um, especially when it's hunted animals. But I think you should kind of, kind of know what you're doing. Yeah, I, like this is similar to the just, the war one. It's similar to the war one. Yeah. It's it's and we've talked about this before. More distressing to me is that people might not know what exactly is going on with what they're eating. Um, so yeah, you should work, have work. if you eat factory farmed meat, you should have to watch a two hour fact like documentary or with or your work, eyes maybe. over work, work work a day yeah. work a day. That that one's pretty simple. All right. Here's one that's not going to surprise you. In honoraria, every time a crime with a victim was committed, the criminal and the victim would be offered the opportunity to address the offense through restorative justice. The judge would only set upper and lower levels of punishment, and the parties would have the liberty to arrive at a resolution within those limits. Citizens would pity the professional lawyers... (laughs) criminologists and behavioral experts who whine about consistency and impartiality when really they're just mad they're losing billable hours. <laughs> the pity. Um, I, you I have thought to have a new pity one. in your constitution. You have to know thought, who city, citizens are going to pity in, the, in any constitution. In my Puerto Rico, yeah. we, will, we will pity the use of straw man arguments. Um, <laughs> Uh, all right fair enough so i have a, another substantive one um i envision again this might take this might be a little communisty and might take some redistribution of income but i really think that there should be a program kind of like the birthright program for your people but where every child gets a chance to travel to a country um, that is not their own um to experience and it could be picked, or it could be a lottery system, but um, but everybody get exposed to a completely novel environment just once, maybe when they're sixteen, whatever. Um, For a lot of people, that could be just going to West Virginia. Be yeah. it could be maybe you, we could even make a travel out of state or yeah. tra- you know, but um, but I think there is something to the experience of seeing people who have a completely different frame, uh, um, sort of cultural customs and and just frame it changes it show i think it would show you that your frame of reference is not is not the only one one to have i I would happily donate to something where um it may be kids who could never afford to do so but i think even kids who can afford to do so don't always do this Um, or if they do they do it you know like vacationing and like force majeure style lodges where you don't have to interact with any locals or they do it and like to pad their resumes for college right um, right there's an there's a way in which your mind is opened i think by experiencing the world yeah no like i met when i spent the semester in london i met 
students from all other, like a bunch of other American universities out in the pubs. It's yeah. really opened my eyes. Yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> Some you clearly them, weren't. Some listening. of them were even. You some clear- of them were even. I know. I started off by thinking you were going to just say a pat, like tr- like a truism, and uh, yeah. So were some of them even non-Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You have anything else? I do. I have a few other things. All right. Um, I also think you gave short trip to my restorative justice thing, but maybe that's because we've well, talked about it. Well, I mean, it a we've yeah. because two episodes have been dedicated. So you know what I care about? Disgust. I have. Uh, <laughs> Free will. <laughs> Let's talk about free will. In Honoraria, all smartphones would be destroyed and replaced with devices that can only play podcasts. Maybe music. <laughs> Steve Jobs' body would be dug up and defiled. <laughs> You're rude. I'm now, like, I've become reactionary about smartphones. I think they're really bad. I'm, I'm mad that I let my daughter get one and... I think they are they do more harm than good and I'm kind of done with. It. I wish we could go back to like just you know the little i i pod or whatever the fuck yeah. Yeah. Um because do you think they're bad because they're distracting? Yes. Or? And I think like I I've, I've been doing all these things to get myself to not, you know, check it and not and like so now that I'm not able to go to Twitter or to check my email sometimes, it's I'm I'm very alert to how often I instinctively reach to do that. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's like taking I mean this is this is basic stuff that you hear and read all the time, but I, I really do think it's fucking with our heads in ways that are destructive. Not always. Like sometimes it's fun to get into a little text battle with Eliza, that part is good, but it doesn't outweigh the like what I yeah. think is actually making. You know, I read less. I have my attention span. I can just feel it day by day, like sort of just draining out of my body. So, no more smartphones. Get them out. Um. So, are you gonna get your get rid of your smartphone? Probably not. Uh, if I'll trade you an old iPod for, <laughs> for my iPhone. Um. Yeah, and uh, you know what else is probably in honor area? Yeah. Um. That kids should get off your lawn. <laughs> exactly. Like sh- what are they doing on your lawn? <laughs> Why are they there? <laughs> no, I know. I I, I I knew that that was <laughs> exactly. Um. No. No. I I my totally day. agree. And I actually, um, every once in a while, if I forget my phone or it dies of battery, um, is this like anxiety and then this relief? Yeah. This right. It's just yeah. That's why I find myself um doing thing like analog things, um. To, to occupy my time in a way that do, that just gets me away from yeah like because you're right there's a lot of consumption of very short non-substantive things yeah um, and so it's important to do the opposite of those things yeah yeah um like take a we, we should have holidays from from smartphones um yeah maybe that would the, be just like least, yeah just like the month of january no one's like all cell towers go dark yeah because even if it's around yeah you're thinking you're representing the fact that somebody might be trying to get a hold right. of you you really need like to escape some people have done sort of these like you know tech technology escapes um yeah I'm, and, i might do I think that it's good for you yeah it's good for, i think it's good for your mental health to be honest especially if you get if you're the sort of person who really engages on social media a lot and I mean, I find my blood pressure just goes up sometimes when yeah. I'm 
you can reading you can feel it yeah and then you feel yourself like you've like a ringing in your ears afterwards and yeah it sucks yeah it does um so this is my last one which is kind of related to this um on twitter just because that seems to be the uh, the biggest one i i i think it would be a good idea to introduce a sort of lottery system that whenever you at reply somebody there is a small chance that it will initiate a direct call where you will have to FaceTime or, or whatever, you know, Skype right. face-to-face with somebody. So whenever you're replying to somebody, you are taking a small chance that it will actually ring them up after the message goes through. And you'll have and, to talk to them. And your phone will be hijacked, right? right. I mean, you'll, you'll be able to, like, hide it or whatever. But, but there, that, that should be sort of, if, if you cheat that way, then it'll publicly be known. Um, but just the, the thought that you might actually be able to talk to somebody's face, um, I think would cut down on, on some of the drive by tweeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it would cut down on most of it actually. Yeah. Even if it was just like 10% of the time you actually had to like be face to face with that person. Uh, yeah. And I think, uh, and it would be good, better for them too. I mean, who are these people that like to take these shots at other people on Twitter that no. like you know, and uh, like it's it's got to be a kind of a sad existence, and it would be good for them to like. This isn't going to work anymore. This it's trolling weird. is not going to work for me anymore. What like, let's you know they'll be like the Simpsons kids when Itchy and Scratchy went off the air when they like they look at the yeah. they go outside <laughs> and they're rubbing their eyes and it's a beautiful day and Beethoven's like pastoral yeah Beethoven's like all these trolls are out there just <laughs> enjoying life yeah and I think most of the time a lot of people um if you if you email them directly and say hey what did you mean by that usually they're not just pure trolls they just don't there is something about the the interaction they think oh i i didn't think you'd answer or i didn't right. think you're reading it or some 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 error but of course some people are trolls all right, all right i have a bunch way i have a bunch more yeah go for it all right. i mean i think we said like five or six but whatever <laughs> <laughs> so here's one that i feel strongly about in honorary uh, reading classes in elementary and middle school now this is reading as a subject not like they can all read so really what this is is test preparation they would be outlawed and instructors who taught the five paragraph essay would be imprisoned for a minimum of 25 years with no opportunity for restorative justice <laughs> you're just willing to yank restorative justice not for, 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 for teachers that teach the five paragraph essay they don't deserve restorative justice they're, oh they're beyond God, the reach I, of restorative justice. They can't be integrated if, back with into the community. If, if some, pe- but you know what, some people need to learn five paragraph essay. No, I feel, I really feel as if some people can't even string together a coherent set of. Uh, That's better paragraphs. than the five paragraph essay, though. Uh, like not being incoherent and not like it's like I my daughter. It's such a good natural writer, and they're trying to beat it out of her. It's like she—it's like academia, but in but in element middle school. I'm willing to sacrifice the creativity of some for the coherence of most. No, like not me. <laughs> well, Puerto Rico and Honoraria are going to go to war. <laughs> yeah, it's over, clear it's over clear. the five paragraph essay. <laughs> what do you want? Six? What are you a monster? 
Uh, All right, I have another one. In honoraria, citizens would pity citizens would pity philosophers and psychologists who continue to work on trolley problems, Gettier cases, Frankfurt examples, zombies, and fake barns. Uh, philosophers and psychologists <laughs> can still work on Mary, the color scientist, but her name now has to be Penelope, the color scientist. <laughs> do, you, do, do you not want us to solve these problems finally? Once and for all. <laughs> no, I don't. I want that. There needs to be some mystery to life. And plus, you know, they can still work on Penelope the color, color scientist, so they're fine. You know, like that's a good one. That should keep them busy. You just clear the, just clear the slate and start all new meaningless problems is what would happen. Um, in honoraria, there would be no capital punishment. The families of victims who want to see the murderer killed would have to take on this burden themselves. Sentences for just vengeance killings would be reduced, but not eliminated. Wait, so there would be capital punishment, just not delivered by the government? Not delivered by the state. Well, I mean, I don't know if there would or not, but it would just be... be, It wouldn't be illegal. Yeah. Oh, no, it would be illegal. It just... Yeah, you would reduce the sentences in those cases. We probably already have that part. But, like, (laughs) I've always thought that that's the argument against capital punishment, that it's like, that's not the state's job. That's the victim's job. Families, the victims. So, so by that reasoning, we we should house, um, we should house criminals. <laughs> like, we should create little jails and imprison the people who have wronged us. Yes, for fifteen right. years. That's right, and then make them sleep with their daughters, without their knowledge. Uh, <laughs> um. In honoraria, all very bad wizard listeners would stop bugging us about antinatalism. <laughs> kind of a core principle. Or they could assume we already know about Westworld. Uh, and they can, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. I feel resistant to watching it. Like, I feel like the, the world is trying resistant. to get me to watch it and I need to fight back. Yeah. It's, it, in some ways, it's not your kind of show. Right. It's, uh, it's, so I, I can see why you wouldn't like it. I mean, it's, it's sci fi. It seems like kind of humorless. And somber. It's. I'm enjoying it. All right. Um. I just don't know if it's going to be satisfying. That's why I'm waiting. I'm waiting until the end to tell you whether to watch it or not. All right. Last one. In honoraria, the people of the United States, including yourself, would issue a formal apology to Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots for years of baseless and exaggerated accusations. They would add a fifth head to Mount Rushmore, which would be Big Poppy. Roger Goodell would be imprisoned for life with no opportunity for restorative justice. So you're going to have to put all the links to the references for people who have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Mount Rushmore is a uh, monument in South Dakota. I believe it's in Canada. Um, <laughs> the willingness with which you are um, sort of Doing away with restorative justice solutions, uh, you know, willy-nilly, arbitrary. It's not arbitrary. Uh, And in fact, everybody except Roger Goodell and the five-paragraph essay teachers will have the full use of the restorative justice (laughs) paradigm. I just want Tom Brady and Kobe Bryant to be in a room with a couple glasses of champagne. Um, Did you see that Donald Trump declared Tom Brady completely innocent? (laughs) <laughs> no. it's like great it's just what we need and there's <laughs> with friends like those <laughs> i'm sure of it 
He's like, how can I make everybody hate the Patriots more than they already do? Oh, I know. I, I, I'm going to add one last one right. just so that I could have something to say. Um, our, our national poet, if it were up to me, would be Nas. He would just be the national poet. Is that your, like, like the, if you have to die with one rapper, is that it? Like, um, in terms of, in terms of poetry, like when people say like Bob Dylan, uh, won the Pulitzer, like if there was a rapper Nobel. that should get it, you're, it you're ought run. to be Nas. That what's that? He, he won the Nobel Prize, not the, the Nobel Prize. Yeah, sorry. Um, something that doesn't normally get yeah. given. Then that would be my pick. He's more poetic. I mean, there's arguments that Biggie Smalls and Jay Z are better rappers, right? But that's sort of a it's kind of a different category for me. The sheer beauty of the things that come out of Nas's mouth. Um, I think he's up there. I think he's he is like a Dylan. He's more like a poet than he is just a straight up MC. Yeah. Are you um, into Dylan? I'm not that into Dylan. There's certainly songs that I like, um, but I've never been obsessed with Dylan the way that some people are. I can see why people do. Like, there's a lot of stuff that he says that's cool sounding, and but it's just a genre of music that I never really cared that much about. Um, much like your dismissal of Leonard Cohen. Did I dismiss him? <laughs> I barely You're knew like, I who he care. was. <laughs> I'm not like, there's that whole era of music that's kind of foreign to me and that <laughs> genre of music. It's, yeah. Yeah. Like that's more. You're more into it. It's kind of older hipster kind of. Kind of. <laughs> Do you make your own beer too, while you're listening to oh, Leonard Cohen God, and Dylan? No. no, I just just drink whatever shitty beer people put in front of me. I don't like beer actually. I, I'll put that out. There. Oh shit! There would be. All right. Uh, we hope that was satisfying. Thank you for suggesting the topic. Thank you for suggesting the other topics. There's some good ones. Like you know, if you're gonna be a a moral pluralist, how do you justify... Uh, Are there any constraints on the crazy shit Tandler will believe yeah, about how do, morality? How do you justify the constraints? Um, and there does there have to be progress? That's a really interesting one. Does there have to be yeah. progress in moral philosophy? I'm going to have to prepare for that one. Yeah. I have to like read some articles or something. Well, we're, we'll, we'll tie them to articles. We were a little worried about this episode for not having source material to work from. We'll leave it up to you to determine whether that was a legitimate worry. But, but I mean, download it anyway. Yeah. Well, they already have. Happy Thanksgiving, even though you'll be hearing this after Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and um, we'll see you Happy next Hanukkah. time.